you know, it's very hard to start a conversation from top down. You know, it's like ideology down. It get, generally gets nowhere really fast. But if you, if you start with a poem, with a song, with a story, you know, there's some place to go. This is the CBF Podcast Conversations. Each week, we are bringing you stories from across the world of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and creativity from practitioners, ministers, thinkers, authors, and more. I'm Andy Hale, your podcast host. We're excited about another year of delivering interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. This platform is not designed for you to listen on an island unto yourself. Share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Tucker, Georgia, Warsaw, Poland, San Francisco, California, and Sydney, Australia. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We also want to give a special shout-out to some of our podcast listener supporters, including Carson Fushi, Cindy Foldendor, Bill Johnson, Ralph Stocks, and that anonymous person that keeps giving a gift in honor of CBF Trump. And before we move on, we want to give a word of gratitude to our three annual sponsors, the Center for Congregational Health, McAfee's School of Theology Doctorate and Ministry Program, and the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. And now... On to our conversation. This podcast is presented to you by the Center for Congregational Health, whose mission is to help faith communities and their leaders thrive. Healthy congregations can transform their communities to be more compassionate, faithful, and just. Utilizing a network of highly skilled coaches, consultants, and intentional interim ministers, the Center supports congregations and ministry leaders to address the challenges they face. Visit their website, healthychurch.org, to learn more about how the center can be your trusted partner in ministry. Our guest for this week's CBF Podcast Conversation is Carrie Newcomer. She is an award-winning songwriter, performer, poet, author, and artist. She has a new album out until now. Carrie, thank you for joining the conversation. Great to be here with you. Now, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. And I'll admit, one of the things that I love most about your bio is consistently across all platforms is that it declares you live in the woods. Um, could you take us a little <laughs> deeper there? <laughs> oh, yeah. I um, uh, I kind of live out in the middle of the woods in, in South Central Indiana, near a little college town called Bloomington. And um, yeah, just... Um, you know, I'm, you know, with COVID, I wasn't traveling as much as, uh, as usual, but um, I have a pretty traveling life and it's so nice to be able to come home and have a long-term uh, relationship with a, a beautiful, beautiful piece, piece of, uh, of, of this good earth. So, so yeah, I live out in the woods. Awesome. Uh, you know, as a person who connects deeply with nature, um, I'm sure you're fascinated to see that, you know, some of the news over the pandemic has been that state 
and national parks have seen record numbers. You know, people are getting out of their homes, they're getting out in nature. Why, why is nature so meaningful to your soul? And, and what do you hope others will experience through it? Well, you know, for me, you know, n the natural world is is one of those places where, um, you know, I most consistently catch glimpses of of something uh, wider and more mysterious than myself. Um, it's a place where I I feel in contact with um, with something great and luminous in the world, and that I'm connected to it. Um, you know, I feel that in other ways. I feel that through music. I feel that through my spiritual community. But I think for me, that's probably the place where it's it's most profound. And so, yes, you know, it's a very important. And and it was really interesting to, you know, get that um, feedback and news that people, when they needed to be closer, close in, you know, really exploring the natural world in their own um, situation, you know, whether that's a local park or a state park or just, you know, the trees that line the streets where they live, you know, I mean, um, I think many of us, you know, took, you know, took that opportunity to kind of connect with something in the natural world, however our context would allow that. You know, for, for, so long artists and musicians were unable to perform in front of live audiences during the pandemic what was that experience like for you well you know the uh, the pandemic gosh um my, my touring life my traveling life as a as a songwriter and musician and poet and um and also workshop facilitator you know ended i mean it just came to an abrupt stop on you know March 6th of 2020. And within a month, a little more than a month, um, I'd been home longer in one stretch, you know, one block than I had been in over 25 years. So, you know, the, the rhythms of my life were really disrupted. Um, so there was that part of it. But, but also, you know, I think we all have ways that we contribute to uh, putting uh, putting the spirit we most want to contribute in the world into the world, whether you're a teacher or a parent or uh, um, a pastor, a, a student, a, you know, um, a nurse. I mean, so many different ways, a good listener, you know, the, the different ways that people extend themselves into the world. Um, and singing, you know, is, is, at, at the heart of me. So it was really interesting for that just to stop very abruptly and, and to have to consider, you know, when my normal outlets for, for uh, putting the spirit into the world that I, and in the way that I'm used to doing it, when that's not possible, how do I continue to do that uh, close in and close up? Because that's how it, you know, how it really uh, needed to be for a good long while and still I mean it's not over yet so um, you know so that was a, that was a big a big shift for me and creatively you know getting really creative and I think that was really interesting to see too I mean that how creative we all got you know we all learned zoom <laughs> you know? and we you know I learned um, how to create my own video streaming studio so I could still continue to do music online 
in a streaming context. And, um, you know, we learned a lot of things. We learned a lot about creative community in the last year and a half. Um, so yeah, there's there's been really hard things. And I think that, you know, I have a new album that just came out until now and, and a companion book of poetry. It, the, you know, the theme of being in process that, you know, what is it like to be in process, you know, to be standing in a really uncertain and unknowable time and when patterns have been disrupted, when certain kinds of um, uh, even even assumptions or thoughts have been un unraveled, you know. So what is it like to, to stand in that moment and to try to stand faithfully in that moment? Along with being an artist, you're also uh, an advocate. You know, with this pandemic, there's been um, a lot of social and political conversations taking place, whether it be systemic racism, sexual and gender inequality, or the fair treatment of, of migrants. Um, in what ways are you encouraged by the progress made over the last 18 months? And in what ways are you frustrated that we're still where we are? Well, I mean, I mean, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm encouraged that, um, that how by how many people, um, really did roll up their sleeves and, and step in, um, in difficult situations. Um, just, you know, if, if they couldn't like for myself that I couldn't be traveling all over the country. Um, but you know, what is it I can do right here, right now with my neighbor, with my church community, with my, you know, it's, you know, people really did step up and help one another. Um, and that was, that was really good to, to see. Also a sense of um, awakening, or at least um, noticing. You know, it's very easy to go along, you know, we have a, a kind of a, a culture that's a perpetual motion machine, and some of our lives become kind of perpetual motion machines. And we had to stop, I mean, really stop. And certain kinds of awarenesses came to us like what are where are the holes in our social safety net well there they are we kind of we kind of knew but gosh you know there they are because people are falling through them um you know the, the 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 murder of george floyd and this um moment of of racial reckoning that that came to us this you know these awarenesses that that were pressed upon us in this time that that many people rose to um, attending to in a new way um, than they had before, myself included. Um, frustrated is, you know, I, I'm, it's really bewildering to me, the, the kind of divisive nature that's still going on, and even being fueled, the, the, the idea of we are divided, and there are no bridges. And um, you know, you're on one side, I'm on the other, you know, that sense of dividedness. And, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, where there's been so much loss and so much suffering. And, it, you know, is there anything that could have brought it home to us more how deeply and intimately we are all connected physically by the air we breathe? Um, we are completely connected. And 
we are con connected um, you know, to the people in our airspace. We are connected to the people in our, our, our smaller communities and our society in, in the world that it, you know, what's happening is affecting us all. So there's a part of me that still gets frustrated when, you know, I really see these, the, um, the fans of, of, um, you know, fear. I mean, that's kind of really fear-based thinking that is being so, so promoted right now. Uh, I have a, a poem in the new book called, um, what you won't hear on cable news. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the idea behind the poem is that we get so much information. You know, there's this drumbeat that goes on every day, every news cycle, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be, be very afraid. And that we are divided. And here's the worst of human nature. And here's, here's something scary. And here's something salacious. And, um, you know, we get so much of that information and it's fueled um, by uh, certain folks in, in our leadership. And um, when, you know, the truth is that, you know, I guess I, I believe it and I see all the time that the world still turns on an axis of goodness and that we are connected and, you know, those kinds of actions, you know, the kinds of actions we were talking about before the podcast about people really uh, coming in to help after the hurricane in Louisiana. I mean, those kinds of stories don't always get, you know, the front page or the above the fold. It, you know, it's not part of the news cycle that's supposed to keep you afraid enough that you'll, you'll keep watching through the next uh, uh, commercial break. Um, but there, there it is, you know, it's, um, it's there and it's happening all the time. Um, and so I get a little frustrated that, you know, that story, that story of our connection, that story of the axis of goodness that still keeps, you know, that we, keep, we are still turning upon um, is not, um, I don't know, is not above the fold in terms of what what we present in terms of what's happening. Yes, all these uh, hard things are so important. We've all lived through, you know, 18 months of, of tremendous loss and suffering and I've lost in my own family. And, you know, there's not to blink any of that, you know, there's really hard stuff that we've all come through. Um, and at the same time, you know, in, in a time of great disruption, there is a great opportunity. And I, I really believe that, that again, that perpetual motion machine, you know, societies move like a great big ship and it's really hard to turn a great big ship when it gets going, unless something big happens and something big has happened. And it's an opportunity for, to, uh, to stop and say, okay, this is where our social safety net has holes in it. When we were, when, you know, you know, this is kind of unraveled, but when we, when we reweave this together, we can do it in a different kind of way with a different frame, with a different understanding than we had before. And it's, and that is, that is encouraged and it is happening in some ways. Um, it, what's frustrating is that there's still so much focus on be afraid, be a, be very afraid, and instead of look, 
look what the possibility is here. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. Listen in to a conversation with Robert P. Jones, author of White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity, and Dr. Lewis Brogdon, Executive Director of BSK's Institute for Black Church Studies, entitled America's Racial Reckoning and the Crisis of White Christianity. Visit institute.bsk.edu backslash Jones 2021 for recording of this important conversation starting October 18th. Since 2016, CBF has brought you over 100 episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. It is fascinating to, you know, the psychology of what unites us and what divides us. So say, for example, state of Louisiana, where I live, um, you know, during this time of COVID, we've been one of the leading states in COVID cases, you know, yeah. as a result of so people sorry. believing politicians and uh, the fear mongering. But at the same time, you know, the days leading up to the hurricane, I'm going to the store to make preparations for our family and uh, members of our, our church community and seeing the generosity of others, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things that you try to make sense of. You're like, we've got this invisible thing that's been going on for 18 months. And so many of us have been so selfish and self-centered in our approach to it. And yet something physical that we can see like a you know, a tropical storm or hurricane comes through, somehow that motivates people to, to be compassionate, to be uh, patient, to be generous with others. Uh, so I guess I continue to just scratch my head over the, the mystery of what it means to be human um, in this day and time. You know, I've said for a long time that, that love is simple. People, people are complicated. <laughs> and um, I work with a wonderful author, uh, um, Parker Palmer, and we have a podcast together and we've done a lot of creative collaboration. And um, he's also one of my dearest friends. And, you know, he, uh, his phrase is, Carrie, just turn to wonder. Whenever something comes up and someone, you know, there, there's going to be moments when you just shake your head in a bewildered kind of way, just, or, or also that immediate kind of negative reaction of 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 uh, anger or just you know all the things that can come up when um some you confront something that this really um knocks you down and um he said turn to wonder just always if you can you know and ask ask good questions about the story you know what's the story behind that and then really listen if you can, you know, it's not always possible. Sometimes you have to walk away. It's not possible to have a conversation. But, you know, 
and I believe that about the arts too, you know, part of why I'm an artist, why I'm a songwriter uh, and a poet is that, you know, people, you know, if you get up on the soapbox and start talking about your, your convictions on this and that so often and pretty quickly, you know, people, the doors to people's hearts will just slam shut. Um, we've heard this before. Um, but if you tell an authentic human story and you tell it in an in a open and human way, people will leave their hearts open just a little bit longer. Um, and in that moment, in that moment, there's an opportunity to see where we're connected, to see that, you know, where that human thread is connecting us, that, that there is possible for, it's possible to have a conversation there. You know, where, where does the human story happen? What, what are my deepest, most beautiful values? You know, let's meet there. And then, you know, we can, we can start from there. That's a place where we can start. Um, you know, it's very hard to start a conversation from top down. You know, it's like ideology down. It get generally it gets nowhere really fast. But if you if you start with a poem, with a song, with a story, you know, there's some place to go. You know. So, speaking of stories, you have this new album out until now. Um, this makes number eighteen for you, right? Nineteen, actually. Nineteen. <laughs> Gosh, you've been busy. So, uh, so what's the story behind this album? Um, it's it's called Until Now, and um, I would say if if there's a, a red thread that runs through this book and book of poetry and the CD, you know, there's a lot in this album, as I said earlier, about being in process and being in process with compassion. That. Um, and we've all been experiencing something new, something that we haven't done until now. There's a song called um, I Will Sing a New Song. It's based, um, inspired by a Howard Thurman, the theologian and mystic, one of his poems. And this idea that, you know, I haven't done this before, at least until now. And and what do you do in a situation where you're you're really stepping into the unknown, stepping into something new and trying to do it with as much love and compassion for others and yourself, you know, at the same time, because inevitably, you know, um, you'll get some things right and, and inevitably I'm going to make some mistakes in it, you know, and, and being compassionate with that as well, you know, where, how do I befriend my mistakes in this, that where did, you know, where did my mistake in this show me where I most needed to grow, you know, so, um, so there's a lot in this album about being in process, being in, in process, um, with a sense of compassion for ourselves and uh, others. There's um, a lot in this album about um, holding the both and of of this time period most of the songs were written during the pandemic a few there's a, a few that were not they were earlier than um the beginning of the pandemic but uh, many of them were were written 
during this time period. And so, you know, a sense of holding loss and grief and at the same time holding, you know, what is it? Where is it that we ground ourselves? You know, where is help in hard times? And um, and where is uh, where do we find those moments of delight um, and wonder that that helps sustain us, you know, in, in those times. Uh, there's a song, the first song on the album is called A Long Way Up. And it came about, I, I was walking in the woods with my husband. You know, there were good COVID days and, and really hard COVID days. And, you know, good ones were when, when we realized we were learning something or there were those moments of delight and love and connection that we found close in. The hard, but they were also really hard ones for most people uh, to varying degrees. And I was having one of those hard days and my husband and I went out for a walk in the woods and he had brought his iPhone and he started playing Sam Cooke's uh, You Send Me. You know, you send me, darling, you send me, honest to do. And he put it in his pocket, in his uh, you know coat pocket and we danced in the, in the forest together to Sam Cooke. And, you know, I went home and I, I wrote the song kind of as a, um, an appreciation for those who walk with us in hard times and in good times and everything in between. You know, the songs on this album are confessional, relational, earthy, spiritual, uh, prophetic. How did you find your voice and style? Well, you know, it's been an evolution as most artists, you know, um, I think I've always, you know, it's been interest. It's been a very interesting career in that I don't fit easily into any one niche or category. You know, I, I'm known to be a, a writer who, who does have a spiritual context, uh, uh, in, in my, in my work, but, you know, uh, perhaps a conservative Christian Christian music label would not never touch my my stuff with a ten foot pole. It's like, you know, the, the, you know, there's kind of spiritual music that you get eight theological crayons to to work with, and I'm kind of a forty eight crayon kind of gal. So, <laughs> um, so they're in in kind of on the progressive end of that. So, so, so there's that. But I also have always. You know, some people came to spiritual music through the church, and I kind of came to music through the bars. I mean, I kind of grew up playing in bars and bowling alleys and um, coffee houses. And, you know, I think I played garage sales in the beginning. <laughs> um, but so it was a, this very interesting finding, um, you know, crossing secular spiritual lines because, uh, you know, daily uh, all the time and in my work because i don't really see a line between the two i don't experience it that way it's a continuum so um so there's that piece of it then something also really good happened to my writing uh, at a certain point when i gave myself permission to sound like a hosier which which what i mean by that is you know i'm from indiana I have a very Midwestern kind of voice. Um, I, I lean into the mystics. Um, I have a, 
a love for justice and for doing what we can to make the world a better place. I'm a Quaker, you know, there's, there's all these things. And I gave myself permission to sound exactly like a, you know, like, like Carrie Newcomer. Like, I'm never going to sound like someone who was born and raised on the island of Manhattan. I mean, I'm never going to sound like that. And that's fine. There's a lot of people there to cover that voice. Um, they don't really need me to try to cover that voice. But something really good happened when I allowed myself that kind of authentic voice that I didn't have to be the best singer-songwriter. I just only needed to be the the best Carrie newcomer I knew how to be. And so, and there's something powerful in that. I think as a writer, there's something really powerful that happens with a true and authentic statement. There's there's a vulnerability to it without being, um, you know, it's, it's not like I'm writing my diary. I, I don't have any interest in writing my diary. I mean, I have, I have journals for that. Uh, what I'm interested in is using my own experience as a human experience. And, you know, where does my experience, when I, when I tell it as a story or a song or a poem, where does it become less me and more ours? Um, but using my details to make it rich, to make it human. Um, but that idea that, you know, something really powerful happens and we know it when we when we hear it when a person speaks when we when we hear a song that is just candy coating it you know we feel that it's like whoa it goes goes right past you like wow that's way disney you know <laughs> and then um if you hear something and it's just for shock value or it's big and general and fluffy it just goes straight by if it hits you on the head and with 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 in a way and doesn't respect that your heart is open uh, in this moment, it just goes right by. But if you, but if a song puts, if you if a song, ah, you can puts its finger on the open palm of something true, something true and human, it shakes the world just a little bit just a little bit. And why would I want to write any other way? I mean, why would I want to live any other way than that? Um, so I think, you know, it, it continues to make making art a challenge. I mean, because I have 19 albums, the 19th, people say, doesn't it get easier? And no, it, it you know, there are certain things you, you learn and you have skills for now that I didn't in the beginning. But in terms of putting a, a very open human um, statement into the world, no, that doesn't get easier because it's vulnerable. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's based in my, in my personal growing edge. Uh, the podcast that I do with Parker is called The Growing Edge. And we talk about the growing edges personally, vocationally, and politically. And, um, you know, every album i i never create an album because i have an answer I, every every album every song or poem is because i have a good question and i and i keep asking those questions what is at my growing edge right now uh, what am i really exploring what is it that i i don't know yet um or i'm learning right now so so yeah, it doesn't get easier if you really create at that growing edge. 
if you live at that growing edge, um, it, it doesn't get easier. But at the same time, it doesn't get more alive than that, you know? Now, not to completely poo-poo Disney songs, I did find myself with my children uh, weeping in the movie theater watching Frozen 2 as I listened to these songs about anxiety and depression and the complications well, of human connection. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't mean not to not to poo-poo that at, at all, but you know, you know, I guess I'm throwing that out there as um, uh, fairy tale fluffy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Talk to us about the uh, album artwork. I assume you only did one take of riding that penny farthing bike across the canyon on a tightrope. Um, <laughs> what, what's the uh, message behind the art? Well, um, the, the artwork on this album was uh, created by Hugh Syme. He's just a wonderful artist. He's done my last nine albums. He's he's a, a wonderful artist and he's whimsical and he's creative and, um, and, uh, has been doing, you know, illustrative works like, you know, for albums and for different kinds of uh, books and for a long time. And so I love working with Hugh. He's just an incredibly creative person. And generally the, what happens is I send him a demo of the songs and let him know what the songs are about, the lyrics. And then we just talk about it. We talk about, you know, what are the themes here? What, what's the feel here of this particular album? what are the ideas that you know we'd love that the artwork to to kind of get a sense of and so yeah for people who are listening and they can't see it it's it's it, it it's this beautiful vista of the lake country i think it's scotland at district and um but uh, I'm, I'm riding on a penny farthing, which is those great big, you know, the old fashioned bikes that the great big front wheel and the little tiny back wheel. Um, so I'm riding across a tightrope across this, this, this vista uh, with balloons. So um, I don't know, I think the, you know, the idea of being between here and there, that it was to live in process, to live in a precarious place, to live with whimsy and joy, even um, in a moment that seems a little surreal. I mean, there, I don't know how many people I talked to in the last 18 months who said, time just feels strange. You know, it just, it feels like time is very um, either disjointed or fluid, or there's just something uh, that's uh, uh, wobbly about it. And so, so, you know, that kind of comes about and it's a little surreal. It's like, oh, you know, you have to kind of look at your, you know, turn your head and look at it a little bit. Now the, <laughs> I didn't actually ride a penny farthing across uh, a tightrope across this huge vista. Um, and I can tell you a little secret about that cover is that, you know, we did a photo shoot with me so he could, you know, drop me into the scene on the bicycle but i'm not a very tall person i i on a really good day i'm i'm almost five four so to ride a penny farthing you, you have to have pretty long legs i'd like to see any normal person that can get on a penny farthing in an in a 
in a ungracious way. It's it's the most awkward vehicle that's ever it, been created. It's so awkward. It's like so you're kind of what you know wobbling along on it. But he extended my legs by I think an inch or so because my feet didn't couldn't reach the pedal. So. <laughs> okay, so. now we've got some controversy. Are you trying to say that there was some? Um, some digital uh, adjustments made to this uh, this artwork. You can now join the likes of, of many other artists uh, on the front covers of, of being uh, changed and altered. Well, y yes, on this cover, um, you know, when he dropped me on the penny farthing, he, I, you know, I might be five foot five instead of five foot four. <laughs> You know, so I'm feeling really tall when I look at that picture. So, um. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about you talk about the the space between. Um, you know, one of the poems in um, this this book that you have that's a companion to the album is liminality, and liminal uh, is is a, a Latin term meaning kind of threshold or spaces between. I love the yes. concept of, of liminal thinking spaces. In fact, I'm doing my doctoral research and writing around uh, liminal spaces and thinking uh, in regards to church and organizations. Um, oh, wonderful. Uh, you wrote, there are endings and beginnings, one emerging out of the other. Uh, take, a, take us into uh, a little bit deeper uh, look into your experience with liminality. Um, well, first of all, Gosh, you know, I really want to read what you come up with in the in in the the work you're doing on liminality. I, I think that's such an important concept, and I'm I've always been very attracted to that and drawn to that concept and that experience. You know, um, one of my albums called "The Beautiful Not Yet." You know that we are always living in the beautiful not yet. That you know, peace, love, truth, and justice will probably not be perfected in my lifetime. And so how do we live um, holding, you know, as Parker would say, holding in creative tension, everything that is with everything that could and should be, and each day taking some action to narrow the distance between the two. Um, so the beautiful, not yet. Um, the, my last album was called The Point of Arrival because every ending is a beginning. And, um, so that theme of, of liminality. I have another album called um, The Geography of Light. Um, you know, it's you know, it's it's a theme that has come back to me. Um, and and I and I'm I'm drawn to liminal spaces where where things overlap, where things meet, sometimes in mysterious ways. Um, where spirit meets bone, you know, where um, you know, the evening moves, you know, into day or day into evening. Uh, liminal spaces in our lives, you know, I and I, I think sometimes, you know, great the great luminous is so present in those liminal spaces. Uh, if I'm paying attention. I think that's an important part of liminality too, paying attention to those, um, you know, subtle moments of change, of experience. You know, if I'm, if I'm walking in the woods with my dogs, and I'm just thinking, 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 my mind is lost with something else, I I might miss some of those overlapping liminal moments. Um, 
not just in the woods, I guess, just any time in my life, you know, that idea of being really present, being really paying attention to the, the moments. There's a song on the album called I Give Myself to This. And the question is, what, what do I give myself to in this world? You know, at a certain age, sometimes you start thinking you need to ask the question, what do I hang on to? But, you know, the question is, what will I embrace with all my heart? And, you know, and I, the song kind of goes through a walk in the woods, basically. Um, and the things, these liminal moments, the catching at the glimpse of, of, of the corner of your eye, something sacred and, ho and even holy in an ordinary moment, you know, to feel the sunlight come in and it feels like something just kissed you on the forehead. You know, it's just those moments for me, it's like, that's why I'm a poet. That's why I'm a songwriter. I think maybe that's why I'm the kind of person I am because I kind of live for those moments and I pay attention to those and they, they sustain me. I could, I could read a bit of that poem, Liminality, if that, if that feels appropriate. Yeah, that would be great. Liminality. So much, of, so much of what we know lives just below the surface. Half a tree spreads out beneath our feet, living simultaneously in two worlds, each half forming and nurturing the whole. A tree is either and neither, but mostly both. I am drawn to liminal space as the half-tamed, unruly patch where the forest gives way and my little garden begins, where water, air, and light overlap, becoming mist on a morning pond. I like to sit on my porch steps, barn jacket and boots in the long last exhale of the day when the bats and the birds loop in and then out, one rising for work, one readying for sleep. And although the full moon calls the currents and the dark moon reminds me that my best language has always emerged out of silence, it is in the waxing and waning that I most often live, neither here nor there, but simply on the way. There are endings and beginnings, one emerging out of the other, but most days I travel in the ever-present and curious now the betwixt and between, the almost, but not quite, the beautiful, but not yet. I've, I've been learning to live with what is, more patient with the process, to love what is becoming and the questions that keep returning. I am learning to trust the horizon that I walk toward is an orientation, not a destination, and that I will keep catching glimpses of something great and luminous from the corner of my eye. I am learning to live where loss holds fast, where grief lets loose and unravels, where a new kind of knowing can pick up the thread, where I can slide palms with a paradox and nod at the dawn as the shadows pull back and the spirit meets bone. The album is Until Now. The artist is Carrie Newcomer. You can learn more about her work and her music at carrienewcomer.com. Carrie, thank you for making the time to have this conversation. We are grateful for your continued willingness to share your extraordinary art with all of us. 
Well, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. You ask great questions. So I really have appreciated our conversation today. This podcast is presented to you by McAfee School of Theology at Mercer University, who exists to train ministers who inspire the church and the world to imagine, discover, and create God's future. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, the McAfee School of Theology offers doctoral and master's degree programs, including a fully online Master of Divinity degree, the only fully online MDiv offered by a national research university. You can visit their webpage, theology.mercer.edu to learn more about their programs and scholarships. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF's podcast on all major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, the Center for Congregational Health, and McAvee School of Theology's Doctorate of Ministry program. Check out cbf.net for more information about our church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and much more. Oh, and I don't think we've mentioned this, that you should join the listener community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.